Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. When Courtney Atwell boarded a plane for South Africa in 1999, she had no idea the trip would change her life forever. Listen to how a van accident and a friendship changed the trajectory of her life. Thanks, Sarah, for the introduction, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. We are one month into the new year, and I trust your resolutions, if you make them, are still intact and that you have a blessed 2023. Before I begin talking with my guests today, let me take time to encourage you to send me a name of a future guest that you feel would be a great fit on the podcast. You can email me at mweinstein at cedarville.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Now for my guests today, joining me from Highland Ranch, Colorado, are Jason and Courtney Atwell, both of whom graduated from Cedarville University in 1998. Courtney earned a degree in organizational communication, and Jason earned a degree in communication arts. The Atwells, after graduating from Cedarville, both worked at the university. Courtney and Jason both worked in admissions, and a few years later, Courtney became a resident director in Printy. Jason also served as a resident director in St. Clair before working in advancement from 2011 to 2017. One interesting side note to their RD work is their daughter Kylie lived in Printy, the same residence hall managed by Courtney several years earlier. Today, Jason serves as a regional vice president for Erickson Senior Living in Colorado, and he oversees sales offices in Denver, Texas, Michigan, Kansas, and Massachusetts. It's my pleasure to welcome Jason and Courtney Atwell to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, guys. It's great to have you on the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's really good to have you on the program and as I was preparing for today's conversation, um, I learned that after you graduated from Cedarville and before you were dating, you both applied for the same position in the admissions department. I think that was like guest coordinator. That was an interesting situation, what I learned. And in retrospect, do you believe Roscoe Smith made the best decision in hiring Jason? <laughs> let's start with let's, let's let's go to Courtney. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it was it was interesting to apply for the same job, and um, we really had only just met, so we were cordial about it, and even you know tried to help each other prepare for the interview and all that. I was very disappointed to not get that job. However, looking back, it is very clear to me that Jason was a better fit for that. And uh, God gave Roscoe great wisdom in choosing Jason over me for that job. Uh, so it all worked out just how it was supposed to. Do you, do you agree, Jason? I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, and, and, and talking and talking with Roscoe about that, he, he, he agrees too, that, uh, you know, you both have, you have both had great skills and were a great fit for the admissions department at that, at that time. And, and it worked out well. And, uh, so as I as I continue to think through the podcast and trying to put this together, first of all, I want to thank you both for your faithful service to Cedarville University. Uh, I know you serve on the Parent Leadership Council now, and if my math is correct, uh, this year in 2023 will be your 25th reunion. Is that correct? That's right. Why is it important for you, 25 years out from graduating, to still be involved in your alma mater? What brings you back, Jason? My first thought is the amazing experience that we had, for sure, being involved over the years here and there on alumni councils, and Courtney spoke in chapel at one point, and just, just staying in touch with the university has always been neat. 
now with our daughter there, the connection has never been stronger. But I think both of us would say it's very easy to be involved 25 years later because of how wonderful we see the, the university's commitment to the Bible, to, to the Word of God is, and to raising up great students um, for God's ultimate glory, but for their purposes here on earth. And um, it's been a joy to stay in touch just because we've, we've watched the faithfulness of the university and been so thankful for that, that we want to be part of it. Yeah. So do you see the Cedarville that you experience as students as the same Cedarville today, or is it even better today? I would say it's better than it's ever been. Uh, just even going back, I think Courtney and I always talk about how much we wish we could be students again, because it's it's the physical plant for sure. Just the the buildings that are there, the the way that the athletic fields have expanded, the new dorms, all those kinds of things. But those are all pretty superficial. We see just amazing opportunities for students. We see them within the life of our own daughter. And uh, gosh, we wish we could go back and, and do it all over again. I think it's better than it's ever been. Now, Courtney, uh, this goes to Jason too, but you guys can come back. I mean, we have graduate programs. <laughs> oh, well, I would love to. I've thought about it many times. It'd be great to, any excuse to be connected to Cedarville. We, we think about that kind of stuff a lot. And you can be closer to your daughter. Hey, that's not a bad right. thing. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have four children. Your oldest, Kylie, lived in Printy Hall, where Courtney was an RD many years ago. <laughs> and your son, I guess, Carter, is taking dual enrollment pro uh, courses at Cedarville. Um, for Kylie, does her time in Printy bring extra special meaning to you? And I'll pose that question to Courtney. Oh, absolutely. Um I, you know, when I was the RD of Printy is when she was born. And so really right. it was, it was her first home. And so when we drove down the lane on getting started weekend to bring Kylie and all the signs that the staff were holding saying, welcome home, of course, uh, you know, a very literal meaning for her and for us. And so of course that was a very emotional moment. The tears were flowing to see that full circle story for her and just to know that it was really where she wanted to be. This was not like we forced her to go. She was so excited. Cedarville felt like home to Kylie long before, before she came as a student. Uh, it's always held a special place in her heart. I'd like to transition this story um, that was key to bringing you guys together. And it's a difficult story that uh, you, I know you remember. Uh, as I learned, Courtney was on a global missions trip in South Africa. And on the last day of the trip, was in a near-fatal accident. And Courtney, I don't know how you managed that whole situation to, to actually survive it, but other than the Lord's grace. But can you share with us about the accident and what you remember about that day? Sure. Uh, so I was in Durban, South Africa with a team of Cedarville students, and I was one of two leaders of that team. The last day of our trip, we were on our way to our final event when we were in a horrible car accident uh, in the city of Durban. And I really don't remember it at all. It's very odd. I mean, I remember the events leading up to it, but sure. I don't remember the accident. So uh, for whatever reason, my mind blocked that particular um, event. So I don't remember the day of, um, 
other than, you know, the, the events, events leading up to the accident. But I don't remember the accident at all. Everything that I know about it, I learned from my teammates who have different sort of memories. But, you know, the shorts, the short of it is that we lost control of the van somehow, the van that we were driving, we were on a pretty big highway. I mean, Durban is a city in Africa. It's big roads, big highways. And somehow we lost control of the vehicle, uh, ended up swerving back and forth several times, hitting the middle barrier, the concrete barrier in the middle of the road, which sent the van flipping. Um, they think we've flipped about four times mm -hmm. and then landed upside down. Uh, across mm. all lanes of the highway. By some miracle, we were not hit by another car, which was the Lord, I believe, preserving um, just the lives and the safety of the local South African sure. people. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. But we did not have on seatbelts because our van didn't have seatbelts. The driver and passenger did. But, you know, this is Africa. It's different sorts of standards and laws. And it was also a long time ago now. Um so because of that, we were just tossed about inside the van. As we flipped, our windows were smashed out. So mm. uh, combining those two things based on my injuries and where I was sitting, uh, I had a lot of trauma to my body from hitting other bodies and also from hitting the asphalt through those smashed open windows. Yeah. Um, go ahead. What were, what were your injuries? Well, um, the life-threatening injuries were all the internal injuries from just the trauma, uh, yeah. just the blunt force trauma. So um, my spleen had ruptured, and so I was bleeding out internally because of that. And that was the most immediate threat to my life. In addition to that, I had a torn diaphragm, broken ribs, uh, mm. bruised lung, and then lots and lots of uh, very severe abrasions from the road. So it was road burn, and mm. it was to the level of third-degree burns. Mm. all over my arm, my neck, my face. Um, I mm. thought I had a back injury because my of where the spleen is located and the pain that was causing. I told them, I don't remember this, but I'm told that I told them that my back hurt. And so they thought I had a back injury and therefore they drove slowly, you know, very slowly to the hospital to preserve whatever damage mm. might've been done there, but didn't realize until you know, at some point when they saw my blood pressure dropping that I was actually bleeding out internally. Oh. So by the time I got to the hospital, my life was very much on the line just from blood loss. And the doctors had yeah. to work very diligently just to keep me alive. When did you realize, or maybe you didn't realize until after the fact, but when did you realize that you were in a life or death situation? My first memory was three days later. And mm. I saw my parents standing next to my bedside. And I, I was aware that I was still in Africa and that I was in a hospital and that my parents were there. And I thought, well, something really bad has happened. And I couldn't speak because I was hooked up to a ventilator and multiple other machines that were kind of keeping me alive. Well, you led me into really my next question was, how did your parents, how did your family handle this situation? First of all, being so far away and then getting to South Africa, that's not a quick trip. No, and the Lord was so providential because <laughs> this is amazing, but my parents had literally just finished the process of getting their passport because they had a trip to Israel planned that year. So, I mean, that alone was a true miracle from the Lord. So because they had their passport, they were already set up to do international travel. And between the efforts of my brother, who was brilliant in a crisis, and the amazing people at Cedarville, um, they were able to book flights and get on a plane. It did take them three days to get there. And, you know, this was in the time before 
all the quick communication type, you know, services that we have today. And so they were not able to be in touch, except for one point in London, they were able to check in. But they literally didn't know the entire trip, whether I was alive or dead at that point, because they knew it was serious enough that, you know, I could pass at any moment. Um, and so they really didn't know if they were going to be, as they say, they didn't know if they were going to be bringing me home in a coffin. Um, so that was weighing heavily on their hearts on that journey. However, I will tell you, my parents are, um, some of the most godly people that I know and another providence of the Lord. They had just finished memorizing James chapter one, which talks about counting it all joy when you encounter various trials and the, the work that the Lord does through trials. And so that was fresh on their heart and they just sat and recited that passage to each other and to their own hearts. Bobby Heil, who was our missionary contact at the time, has a sweet story of just interacting with my parents and their sense of calm that they had as they arrived, met with the other team members. They wanted to meet with every one of the team members, all the other students. Um, and then, and then they were ready to go and see me. And it was because they just have such big hearts for the Lord and they cared about everybody that was involved and they cared about the testimony that was presenting itself, the opportunity to present a testimony to everybody who was watching. And they made a huge impact on the doctors, the nurses, the staff, the the people. It was awesome to watch that. And, uh, you know, some people who listen to this podcast are going to say that I talked to you before uh, I put together my questions because <laughs> I, I was thinking about James chapter one. And I, I my next question was going to be um, many times, maybe, maybe it's far too often that in our darkest moments, it takes those kinds of moments for us to really get in tune with Jesus. Mm. So how did your faith play a role in your recovery? How did it play a role in your walk since the, the accident and even to today? Well, you know, for me, I, I grew up in a Christian home and I was saved at a young age. Um, this was the first time I can say that my faith was was tested, like really tested. Oh yeah. And so I had to really do business with what, not just do I know, but what do I believe about the Lord and who he is? Do I believe that he is sovereign over this situation? Do I believe that he has a good plan? Do I believe that, you know, he is going to work all of, all of this out and, it was a struggle. It was, it was a definitely a struggle. I, be, I did believe those things to be true, but it's hard in the middle of your pain to readily embrace <laughs> things that you don't feel. And at the time I felt pain, I felt suffering. I felt a lot of lack of clarity about how my recovery was going to go. My face was completely destroyed in the accident. And I was a young single woman. Mm. I wanted to be married one day. And I just, when I looked in the mirror, I just saw ugly and I thought, who's going to want this now? Mm. So there were a lot of things, a lot of um, parts of my personal life that I, that I just knew the Lord was asking me to trust him. And my, my father was very faithful. He would sit next to me and just look lovingly into my eyes and just say, Courtney, God wants you to trust him and he is worthy of your trust. And so it became a choice. There were ups and downs for sure. But then as the days, months and years progressed, I saw the beautiful sovereign hand of God at work in so many ways, not just in my own life, but in 
many, many other lives around me. And now I can look back and, you know, that phrase retrospect, uh, we have 2020 vision when we look back. Right. And so absolutely, I can now so clearly see so many good things that God did. And I'll tell you, it makes me embrace even more what the Bible has to say about our trials, that our trials do produce good and they do produce endurance. But not only that, they also are an opportunity to show the gospel to a watching world. Mm. And the way we handle our trials often becomes the very thing that validates the gospel for those people who are nearby and watching us. And so I saw that happen over and over again. And while I'm not like ready to sign up for my next trial, (laughs) um, I can definitely say God is faithful. And I hope I can remember that when the next trial comes that he's got this and he has a plan and it's going to be beautiful someday when we get to see what he was up to, whether that's now or when we're in eternity with him. Um, I, I know, and I hope I always remember that he does have a plan that is for good. And I, I promise, Jason, I'll get to you in a minute, but Courtney's the, uh, has a fascinating story here. And, I, and this is a question I didn't have prepared, but you just said something interesting that, that you saw retrospect the good of the accident. What are some of the tangible goodness that you saw come from the accident and all that you experienced in South Africa? Yeah, well, you know, in the immediate days after, we started getting flooded with emails. It's amazing how word spreads when something like this happens. And it's one of the beautiful things that I saw was the way the body of Christ rallies around people when they're going through a difficult time. And so not only just the local people in South Africa who ministered to our family as if they had known us their whole lives, and really we were strangers to them, but we saw them minister to us and had many opportunities to share the gospel, not only with them, but with, um, again, the nurses and the doctors and the staff in the hospital. Uh, we heard stories over email of people. I mean, there was one couple, I couldn't believe it. They said they had been struggling in their marriage. And when they heard what happened, God used it to give them perspective again. And they worked things out. I mean, it just, like I was lying in a hospital bed. I wasn't doing anything, <laughs> but God was using the story to touch other people's lives. So I just loved that. And, you know, it's just a testimony to his greatness. And then in the years that have followed, for me personally, it's just been, you know, First Peter talks about um, that we are able to proclaim his excellencies. Mm-hmm. And I have been given so many opportunities to proclaim God's excellencies because of what he did through this. Many times just being able to share my story with a couple that we have over or maybe being asked to speak to a group. Um, I got the chance to speak in chapel at Cedarville one time. And Mm -hmm. the people who come up to me and talk to me about how the story resonates and how it encourages them in their faith and the ways that God is using it, it just, it makes me so excited because it's, it's all glory to God and he uses us as his instruments. And I love the opportunity, even just to be here today, to be used as an instrument in the hands of God to proclaim his excellencies. And um, particularly with young women, you know, who are struggling with things like true beauty or trusting the Lord with their future. It's very, it's a very powerful story. um, And they really just are so encouraged by it. And I love to see that. That's fabulous. And he has given you a great platform. And, you know, I think of even people who deal with insecurities, just basic I mean, you, you have a great story and great, great platform to speak into that uh, with with uh, boldness and with credibility. And I 
I, I think that's great. So before I move to your dating relationship, because there's a story there I know, and I want to start that with Jason, but before I go there, um, I'm just interested in the South Africa conclusion. So what was medical care like? What were the hospitals like, the doctors? Because um, when I think traditionally, when I think of Africa or South Africa, I think of not as modern as maybe in Denver or Highland Ranch or wherever. What was it like? Yes. So Durban is actually uh, where the very first heart transplant took place. Oh. So it is a modern city with a lot of, um, you know, modern medical advances. Uh, however, it does depend on what hospital you go to. So because I was American, they took me to the best hospital in Durban. It was a private teaching hospital and it was the best surgeons, the best doctors, the best staff. Um Right next door was a government run hospital. And everybody told me if you had been taken there, you would be dead. Oh, wow. Uh, so it really, it largely depends on what facility you have access to. One thing that a lot of people think of quickly, as I did as well, is that South Africa at that time was the AIDS capital of the world. And I had to have a lot of blood transfusions. So that was a concern for me um, over the years, you know, because sometimes it takes a while to show up. But they did all the testing and they eventually cleared me. And, uh, you know, the hospital I was in had the highest standards for their blood bank. And so really I, I was in great hands. There was one minor issue that they did miss with my hand. I had a lot of damage to my left hand. So I did have to have some more uh, corrective surgery in America. So I would still have to say that America is probably a little more advanced, but the team there, I, I just, I cannot ever thank them enough for how they fought for my life mm. because when the squad that brought me in arrived at the hospital they said there's no way she's going to live oh wow and the doctors you know they didn't they didn't take that and they just jumped in and uh, did everything they could to save my life and god used them to do just that uh, they were they were wonderful and i was very very well taken care of how long were you hospitalized amazingly i was only in the hospital for gosh i can't remember exactly i want to say it was about two or three weeks they thought it would be much longer because of the extent of my injuries but by god's you know healing hand in my life i did recover much quick quicker than they anticipated i couldn't yeah. leave the country I wasn't fit to travel, you know, that far. Um, yeah. So I stayed in the home of a missionary until I was able to fly by airplane to come back to America. Well, I want to thank Jason for enjoying this conversation with Courtney and I. You know, it's been good. But uh, now's the time to let Jason talk a little bit. And, and uh, from what I understand, um, around this time, maybe I don't know the exact timing, but you guys were friends, but you weren't dating. Courtney has his accident. And it impacts you in a tremendous way. How did it impact you, Jason? Yeah, I would let me just, just comment on, on your comment about listening to you and Courtney have the conversation. And I would say um, I love hearing the story because it is a story about the Lord. One thing that Courtney and I have said our, for our whole marriage, um, the way that God protected her in South Africa, but also the way that he brought us together and the life that he has given to us. We always say, this is a story about God. And I think when we tell stories about God, it's always captivating and it's always exciting. So, so I would say, you know, when I found out that Courtney was going to be going to South Africa, um, I probably couldn't articulate it or say it this way, but she was my closest friend. Okay. And uh, so I remember dropping her off at the airport in Columbus, Ohio, to, to fly over to Durban. And as I left the airport, I just remember thinking, 
you know, my best friend is gone uh, and I, I'm going to really miss her. And I remember thinking, I, I think I care for her more, more than just a close friendship. But I, I don't know. I, I It was just one of those things where I'm, I'm kind of an impulsive guy. That was my pattern. And so I, I remember telling my mom, mom, pray for me because, you know, I, I think I really like this girl, Courtney. I told my pastor to pray for me as well. And um, little did I know that several weeks later she would be involved in this accident. But when the accident happened, um, you know, the the university actually called my mom and asked her to share the news with me. And I, I really think it was because of the people that were around us at Cedarville that knew us so well and loved us. They knew that there was more um, to the friendship. They saw the relationship that we had. Right. Um, and this is the part of the story, Mark, that, you know, people can't see over the podcast, but they should see a big letter L on my forehead for not seeing things more clearly. Um, <laughs> but I really, I really loved Courtney. I really um, cared for her very deeply. But I, I have sometimes said that this accident and the way that God moved was the, the kind of the baseball bat that he used to kind of hit me over the head to say, Jason, look what I've prepared for you. And um, so I did pray while she was gone. Then the accident happened and I felt like I can't I can't declare my love for her when she is maybe at the weakest physically that she's ever been. And so I just need to kind of back off, let her recover. But I remember thinking, gosh, when is she going to recover? Because I just want to tell her, hey, let's let's move to the next step. Like, let's go to a place where, you know, we we can talk about maybe what the future looks like and. So you've, you've said it a couple of times, like, you know, a dating relationship. I, I can confidently say Courtney and I work together in the admissions office, her on the top floor, me on the lower floor um, for about a year and a half and had this great, great friendship. We would go to dinner together. We would talk over the phone. We would talk, you know, about different things. And every time we went out, I always felt like it was the gentlemanly thing to do to just pay for dinner. And so I would just do that. But She's thinking this is a date or is it a date? And I don't know. And I was definitely leading her to believe that it was probably more than just, hey, a casual, let's go out to dinner. Um, but when she came back and when I finally was able to share with her what my heart was telling me and, and where I really believe the Lord was leading me, um, I, I remember the very first conversation. I, I said I would like to pursue a relationship that leads to marriage. And we didn't date. We we went right from we've been friends for a long time into I think this is we know each other so well. Um, we've we've lived a life together for the last year and a half, two years. I think we should pursue marriage. I called her father and asked for his blessing to pursue that relationship. And um, there's obviously a million other details to share, but it was very clear that the Lord was leading us down that path and that um, our friendship and our relationship was was built on friendship. And, and we tell couples today, um, your your marriage relationship is a best friendship. And there are times that feelings can go away. What holds you together, obviously, is the Lord, but it's also built on just a kindred relationship with one another. And so our first official date, we often laugh, never really felt like a date. It just felt like something we had always been doing. Uh, because of how close we were. Did this catch you by surprise, Courtney, at all? Oh, yes. <laughs> Very much. Because <laughs> the, the part, someone of the, you know, mentioned a million details. 
Um, I, I really liked Jason that whole year and a half that he's talking about. And it was, yeah. it was torture for me. <laughs> I mean, I really was, um, head over heels for him. It was a friendship for him. It was a lot more for me. <laughs> so, right. you know, uh, when I went to Africa, I, I think I was just starting to accept the fact that it, it was not mutual and I didn't know that it ever would be. And so I kind of made a commitment while I was in Africa, you know, I got to let this guy go because I'm giving him my heart, but I don't think he wants it. And so it's kind of ironic, I guess, that I was in that position where I was ready to let go of him. And then the accident happened and uh, everything changed. And that's another another blessing of the accident, something that good came from the accident that finally Jason awakened from yes. his slumber. <laughs> and uh, I, if I if I heard the story right, I, I mean, you you were engaged within one month, right? Yeah, well, pretty much. It was, yeah, about a month and a half. Um, I came back to America, spent some time living with my parents because I wasn't able to live on my own. I eventually transitioned back into my apartment in Cedarville and my job started working back at my job very slowly, eased back into life. And that was September. Yeah. And we were engaged in on November 1st. So, okay, so, now, so I, I need to ask as parents now. So if your son or daughter comes to you and, and they say, I, I, I like this person, uh, I've known them maybe for, well, probably longer than a month, but a very short courtship. And they say, I want to get married how do you respond to that? I mean, that's a real quick, t- do, you, do you accept that now? Well, it probably depends on the details, right? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it is different when you're the parent. That's for sure. I don't know. Jason, you're the father. What's your answer to that one? <laughs> Part of our story is that because Courtney was interested in me and I, I could sense that I did have a conversation with her about our friendship and how, how much I appreciated our friendship, but I, I did proceed to date other people, but this is terrible, Mark. I'm just going to tell you, but I would, uh, Courtney, Courtney's friendship was so important to me that I would actually call her as my dear friend and say, hey, this happened on the date. She said this, she did. What do you think about that? Because I wanted Courtney's approval. And I, and that's, that led for her to then call her parents. <laughs> and, hey, you know, mom and dad, this is what's going on. And her parents had different reactions. Her mom said, you know, Jason is being a jerk. And she actually called me Jason the jerk because I'm <laughs> leading her on. Whereas her dad said, Courtney, Jason has told you that he is just friends with you, but it didn't change the fact that Courtney would still call home. So they have this year and a half of time of realizing, gosh, Jason's a jerk or Jason told him, but they're still friends and, you know, all these, all these things. So when it came time for me to declare my love and my intentions and talk to her dad, I think they had gone through <laughs> kind of alongside with us and um, and just realized, hey, we, we know what we've seen. We know what we've heard. And now, you know, things are kind of coming together. And I, I should conclude by saying I think it was one of my first birthdays that I spent, um, you know, after we got together. And Courtney's mom signed her birthday card. We used to call you Jason the Jerk, but now you are Jason the Jewel. <laughs> which I treasure. I appreciate that. So. That's great. That's she a great around. story. Yeah, she came around. <laughs> I want to thank you, Jason and Courtney, for spending uh, the last several minutes with me on the Cedarville Stories podcast. But I have one final question I'd like to ask, and that as you think about your life, where you are right now, your commitment to Jesus, 
what advice, what counsel, what, what encouragement can you give to our listeners that will encourage them in their faith journey as believers? Courtney, let's start with okay, you. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, one thing that I have learned over the years, and, and particularly during the time of this accident, is we there will come times in life where our faith will be tested. And as I said before, it becomes not a matter of what you know, but what you believe. Um, however, what you believe is based on what you know. And so it's important to get to know God and get to know his character and who he is um, through, you know, through his word and um, through time with him in prayer and other believers. I believe that it is um, the very ground that we stand on when when life gets shaky is is who God is. And so yeah. it's a little bit harder to learn those things when you're in the throes of a trial. Uh, not that you can't learn it then, but it's it's good to go into a trial already already kind of knowing these truths. And so my encouragement to to people, to myself, to our to our children and to friends and people that we get to share with is just get to know the character of our really amazing good um, and great God. And he he allows us to know so much of who he is through his word. And so um, just saturating yourselves in the Bible and, and getting to know him when, when these things happen, knowing the character of God is the thing that will get you through. And um, it's hard. It's, I'm not, I'm never going to say that it's easy, but it's easier when you know who is the one controlling these things. And it's hard to trust somebody you don't know. So get Absolutely. to know God and it'll be much easier to trust him when you're going through these things. Yeah. yeah, great advice. Jason? Yeah, I would echo everything that Courtney has said, but I would also add, for me, there's just no question that our God is sovereign and that he is good. And from from even before the time that we came to Cedarville, even, even how God brought me personally to Cedarville, took me through my journey there allowed me to get a job there, allowed us to get married. We've seen the hand of God in every single step of the way. We have we have a whole entire book um, that shows us the hand of God in the life of, you know, Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, the, the list goes on and on. He's worthy of our trust. He's He is faithful. We sing in our church, and I'm sure many can resonate with us. We sing about the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. And uh, we can definitely say that in the hard times, in the good times. But he's sovereign. He orchestrates every little detail for our good, for his glory. And so his sovereignty, um, his control over all things is something certainly that that allows us uh, to trust him, but also to love him even more. Yeah. Great, great counsel. Great words. Uh, God's amazing grace. Uh, we experience it every day. Mm. And Thank you for being faithful to the Lord, uh, sharing your story when he presents the opportunity. And and I thank you again for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories Podcast. It's great to be with you. You too, Mark. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories Podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider and connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.